Welcome to A Home Fellowship Podcast. After gathering together for over 25 years without a building, budget, or bulletin, we are ready to discuss our journey. Not to say that we have found the only way, but to share the path which God has led us along through His work. Here I am with uh, Mike Cooley, he's a relative, and uh, I'd like for, for, for him first of all to give a little background of how he came to know the Lord, and then uh, then we'll start talking about our uh, our adventures in house, house fellowship. Okay, well, um, interestingly enough, my testimony as far as how I came to Christ starts in a house church. My grandparents started a church in their basement and we lived two or three hours away and every so often would come up to visit them and of course we would go to their church that was meeting in their basement and one particular weekend we they were showing I guess it was on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday night they were showing a video and I believe the video was a dramatization of In His Steps. But I don't remember. All I remember is that as a 10-year-old boy who had grown up going to Sunday school in the Baptist church, I was listening to people who were talking about Jesus, but not about Jesus. They were talking as if they knew him, as if he was a person they had a relationship with. And I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't feel that I knew Jesus in that way. And of course, I was able to figure out what that meant, that I wasn't really a believer. And by the end of the video, I recognized that I I needed that relationship and so that evening at the uh, the end of the program the end of the movie I uh, asked the Lord to become involved in my life and I became a Christian and uh, the next day which was Sunday we had uh, Sunday school and my class met under the, the stairwell uh, that went up to the upstairs from the basement and I remember the teacher Mr. Galladay asking me if I would open in prayer it was the first time anyone had ever asked me to do that and I remember thinking well I can pray because I know who I'm talking to now that's that's basic basically my testimony the last time uh, we we met, uh, or I, I recorded, uh, Carol and I were talking about how that I had come to the Lord and how I felt like I needed to come back to the area here to uh, start a Bible study. So I was wanting to know if you could give a little bit of the background of what what brought you from where, just whatever you feel is uh, appropriate, let people know that led you to the idea of a the house church. Well, of course, your story and my story parallel. Um, 
we were outside New York City and I was working in hospital administration. We were in North Jersey and I absolutely hated it and basically was begging God to allow me to come back to Virginia, back home. Things went on and God didn't answer that prayer immediately. And so I finally came to the place where I told the Lord I would stay there forever if he wanted me to. It was hard to do, but that's what I, I did. And things really became much better up there. I got really involved in a, in a large Bible church and was teaching things like apologetics and things like that. And it was great. And I wasn't as, didn't feel the urgent need to move back even though I still hated the city. And then God opened up the door for us to move back and I joined in the effort to have a Bible study that would be available for people that I had grown up, up with, you and I had grown up with, and had been in our church and had kind of, in a way, drifted away from the Lord and were really not exercising their faith but they wanted to they wanted a better relationship and so we came back and, and began to do that and it flopped miserably <laughs> oh, it was a huge success no 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 the, the, our trying didn't work it was when they came to us that that was the difference yeah they uh they wanted a study and because you and i both had bible school education we thought we could go through all the popular Bible study methods and what they wanted was to know what following Christ meant based on what Christ told his followers to do so we regrouped and studied the life of Christ looking for the directives and turned out to be a big success that was four years long I think something like that at least and then um, and then we went to uh, then you you and Holly started a couples Bible study gradually we were the only married people in this study when we first started and gradually as people uh, will do and they became married they started wanting even though some of the couples were attending the original Tuesday night Bible study on the life of Christ, some of the couples started wanting something that was more oriented to couples. And so we started a Saturday night study, and that, that grew for a while, and we had a variety of different subjects like um, oh, just different things appropriate to couples and various studies. And we were doing a study on the book of Acts. I was involved with that one. Well, I was married by that time. Yeah, you were very married by, married that, time. by that time. <laughs> you were there. And during the study on the book of Acts, we had uh, a young couple who felt that they wanted to leave the area as I remember it, and we decided to get together 
for a meal on Sunday afternoon when everybody was done their formal church and we had this meal and we sent this couple off and I believe we had communion and shortly after that some of the people commented that from their perspective that our group the Saturday night study was their church that 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 was their they considered that group their local local body of believers even though they were church. attending another church too. even though where they were attending a formal church building service and so about that time a lot of people had things as God would have it mm -hmm. a lot of people had things going on in their churches that were not positive including the church that we were going in, going to and we had been studying the book of Acts and we were wondering why what we were seeing in Acts was not normative for today and because of the changes that were going on to the church that we were attending we simply said one Saturday night we had decided to start having church in our home and if it was even just my wife and two sons we were that's what we were going to do and that anyone who wanted to join us was welcome and I think the next week we had maybe two-thirds of the people from the Saturday night study were there and then there were some people like you and Leanne who were involved in a church that you felt pretty good about that you made the change later down the road but not much later. That was the next week we had gone for a baby dedication, our daughter being dedicated out there, and um, we were driving back, or driving up or driving back, I forget which it was, it was a 45 minute drive, and we just said, this is ridiculous. Why are we driving this far? And uh, the church was growing, the church we were attending was growing very fast, and so we just said we'd join y'all too, join our bales too. So that's kind of like how we started. Um, well. I, I want to take a break here, and we'll come back, and then we'll talk about the format of how our church was. In that kind of church, you insult the pastor's wife when you scratch your head before shaking somebody's hand. When the choir starts to sing, whistle along. It's expected. If people suddenly start to put their arms in the air, it's customary to throw money. The earlier the service you attend, the brighter the tie you wear. Yeah, uh, always sign those cards in the pews. A friend of mine won a dustbuster. <laughs> Planning to attend church outside your own affiliation this summer? There's a lot of false information out there. Know before you go. Take this exhortation for clear communication. Avoid the aggravation of fabrication about any congregation. Get the facts. Get Praytel's handy new pocket travel guide, Denomination Delineation. Now you needn't worry and wonder what's coming next, when to sit, when to stand, when to shout, when to clap. Praytel's Denomination Delineation spells it all out for you and gives you some great tips about what to say or not to say after the service and what the range of a respectable offering is. It even 
Index's favorite hymns and choruses. No more need for discomfort and surprise. Now you can know before you go. Yeah, the polite thing to do is to hold your breath for the entire opening prayer. If someone offers you a full collection plate, take it. It's a sign of friendship. You owe it to yourself and to those you love to know before you go. Get the facts. Get Praytel's handy new pocket travel guide, Denomination Delineation, coming soon to Christian bookstores near you. We're back. This time, talk a little bit about the the way we used to meet. Let's let's start with what was our procedure. What was we didn't have bulletin, we didn't have anything like that. We just met together and and basically sang and talk. Yeah, I think mainly what we were doing was just we just kind of moved the Saturday evening Bible study to Sunday morning, believing that. Sunday morning was the Lord's Day, and that's what was traditional for the church. So we just moved the study to Sunday morning, and we thought, okay, we're a church. Once in a while, we need to have communion. So once in a while, we had communion. It was not regular. We just would, right. do, we would just do it. Right. Um, we had somebody volunteering to imprison the children in another room so they weren't disturbing anybody because yeah. that's what normal churches did and that's about it that we you know we sang some songs and we got some hymn books and just you know just kind of developed from there as I remember. I, I don't remember us having a real um, preaching time. Uh, we just had a, a study of some type and uh, would share with one another what we were what we were learning and interrupting was interrupting was normal. It wasn't until later that uh, that we did something with the kids bringing them into the, the group and having a part of it. It was just it was too much work and plus we got complaints from some of the ladies that they weren't able to be part of the group. Now if the kids acted up they'd take them out but it wasn't the same as having a separate program for them. I wish I could remember examples of some of the kids that uh, the comments that they would make while we were while we were having discussions about the Bible because I know that I remember was uh, one of the bird kids just would spoke up one time and it just floored us all that they were actually one paying attention, and secondly, that they had a had a spiritual insight. As I as I remember, we we didn't really go for very long with the kids pulled out. It seems to me, and you said you wanted to talk about it another time. Oh, we might as well me, do it now. Uh, shortly after we went to one of the first house church conferences that happened to be held in Harrisonburg, we came across the idea that uh, if you read, for example, in Ephesians, where Paul was writing the church at Ephesus, and he says, children obey your parents, understanding that his letter was going to be read out loud to the people who were there, and he expected that the children would be there. He didn't. He didn't write, "Parents make your children obey you." He he said, "Children obey your parents." He directed it to the children, and 
as a result, we, we kind of thought, why do we take the children out? They should be witnessing interaction with adults and hearing the things that the scriptures say, not somehow having just flannel graphs and things like that. So, so we brought them back in, and as you said, there were some people, we had people who visited the church, and because of, we'll just say the lack of discipline at home, their children were were too rambunctious from their point of view. None of the other people complained, but I think they felt embarrassed, and instead of creating a situation where their children would obey, they just decided it was easier to go to a church where their kids would be sequestered by somebody else for them for that period of time. So Yeah, that conference was a, was a real eye-opener. There were all kinds of groups there. There were those that had church in a house and those that were more freewheeling than we were. <laughs> and what I mean by church in a house is the idea of having a um, having a, a podium and chairs and sitting in rows and there's one leader and that's that's what how the how the church is run instead of uh, it being more of a fellowship where there is a sharing amongst each other and a communication with each other and uh, yeah, I think what was most eye-opening for me at the conference was that there were very smart people who thought the same way we did and it, and it kind of made us not feel like such freaks. So I, I thought that was good. Now I think one of the more important things that helped us at the beginning was the focus on the fact that the early church was established through the Holy Spirit based on the pattern of the family and if you compare a family situation to what has become a, the traditional church situation you can see the contrast the traditional church that people are used to today is more like a club or a corporate organization where you you have a CEO and you have everybody under him and you have most of the people are spectators it's it's like watching the tonight show somebody comes out sings a song or performs and then you have the guy who's in charge and he comes out and does a a monologue, you know, just like Johnny Carson, and then he talks for a while, and everybody goes home, and that's not what it's like when family gets together. In the scriptures, we we see the term brothers and sisters, and our Father in heaven. And Paul says that Timothy is like a son to him spiritually. And we see this kind of talk, and we see the early church meeting around the table over meals, and it doesn't, it doesn't look like what we see today. 
And then when you see what the apostles instructed the church to do, the, the one another's, you know, to bear one another's burdens, to lift one another up, to exhort one another, um, spur one another on to good works, it's, it's hard to do that when you're 15 rows back on the right because you don't know what the person 15 rows up on the left is going through. And the reason you don't go, know what they're going through is there's no opportunity for that. And even if someone got up and said, tell everyone what your needs are, people aren't going to do it because there's no level of trust they're afraid to get up and say, you know, my wife and I are having marital problems or I'm having a problem with pornography. Or they're, they're afraid to get up and do that because they're afraid people will gossip. And the reason they're afraid that people will gossip it's is they will. people will <laughs> gossip. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not what a family is like. A family you come into a room and you're with people in close proximity and generally you don't have to say hey my wife and I are having marital problems because people can see you and your wife are having marital problems I'm not, I'm not talking to you nah I understand Mike that's okay, <laughs> that's okay. but um, so that's that's the main difference and I think we realize very quickly that what we had moved to was something special. Well, the idea of having a, a home uh, situation where you've got, you know, kids jumping all over the place, making noise and doing that kind of stuff, that's the way it is in a house. You know, there's, I, I just can't imagine a family gathering in which everybody would sit in rows and sit there and only one person talk at a time. It just, it's not the same kind of situation. If you come into your, you had a family gathering and they had an agenda set up, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. Well, that would that would be a very different situation than the way most of our homes work. But we've been doing this, we've done some changes and things as time goes by. I mean, the meal every week, that's something that we, I can't remember how long ago that was, but uh, having communion every week has been, a, a the, I think it's the last big change we've done. We have usually have some sort of a, a tradition that we do every every week. Right now, we're reading through Book of Prayers. Uh, we've done things like uh, read through screw tape letters and different things like that as a uh, as a group, and then have discussions about them. I like that kind of thing. It, it gives a little bit more variety. Uh, one of the things I do think that we we like a lot uh, at times is the sharing of our of our needs. And encouraging one another, we we still get into a habit of of having the the music and the prayer and the program or the the lesson, and then we're done. And uh, although that that is is what's the term I want to use? The Lord's table. Yes, the Lord's table and the time at the meal time is where a lot of that kind of sharing does take place. I think that's that's important too, and everybody does the Lord's table a little different too. Some are more more uh, ecclesiastical in the way they do it and some are more uh, freeform in the way that they do it. Well you mentioned that you know like at the beginning we did communion or I said when we first started we just had communion whenever the mood struck us I think 
And I really felt convicted that it appeared that the early church <laughs> met around a me meal every week, but it, at the beginning that seemed like it would be putting a burden on the ladies who typically were fixing the food. And at the beginning it was always a covered dish. So everybody gathered around and brought food and so each cook from each family had to be working every Sunday to prepare the meal. So when we went to having the Lord's table every week, uh, one of the ladies, I don't remember who, but one of the ladies said, well, let's just have one person responsible for the meal for everybody, and we would rotate it. And they, they liked that because then you, you were going to have to fix something anyway. You might as well just fix it for everybody and only have to do it once every couple months so that's was a change and we try to keep the meal simple uh, no uh, no desserts and no special drinks or anything like that it's just a just a meal and uh, that works out great right and that's an important part of our of our gathering probably you know if not the most important one of the most important well, we're going to stop right there and uh, come back again later with another interview and another discussion about our home fellowship. Thank you for listening, and we'll be talking to you later. Bye-bye. I want to tell you the macho facts every man don't understand the Bible. Thank you for listening to A Home Fellowship. Our theme was performed by Ian Alexander. This podcast skit was Pray Tell's Denomination Delineation by the Refreshment Committee and originally aired on Sunday night, a 1980s radio show broadcast by the Skylight Satellite Network. Our outro music is Denomination Blues by Washington Phillips. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, we can be reached at ahomefellowship at gmail.com or through our Facebook page, A Home Fellowship. Until we meet again, may God bless you and draw you closer to Him. Primitive Baptists, they believe You can't get to heaven unless you wash your feet But that's all now I tell you that's all But you better have Jesus I tell you that's all The only primitive that has any part Is the one that's after washing with a peanut heart And that's all now I tell you that's all but you better have Jesus, I'll tell you that's all. Now the missionary Baptists, they believe, go under the water and not to wash his feet, and that's all. I'll tell you that's all. But you better have Jesus, I'll tell you that's all. Now the M.E. Methodists, they believe, Sprinkle the head and not to wash the feet and that's all now, I tell you that's all But you better have Jesus now, I tell you that's all Now the M.E. Methodists, they believe Sprinkle the head and not to wash the feet and that's all I tell you that's all But you better have Jesus now, I tell you that's all 
I'm an African Methodist, they bleed the same, cause they know the nomination they the thing but a name, and that's all. I tell you, that's all. But you better have Jesus now. I tell you, that's all. Now the holiness people, when they came in, they said, boys, we can make it by living above sin, but that's all. I tell you, that's all. But you better have Jesus now. I tell you, that's all. Now the church of God has it in the mind that they can get to heaven without the sacrament wine, but that's all now. I tell you, that's all. But you better have Jesus now. I tell you, that's all.